You are Locked On SEC, your daily podcast on the Southeastern Conference. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What's up, everybody? Welcome into Locked On SEC. Great to have you guys along on today's show. Going to dive deep into the SEC stats with our buddy Clark Brooks from secstatcat.com. Look, it's one thing to watch the games every Saturday. It's another thing. Let's dive deeper into the numbers and find out what we're seeing. This guy may lead the SEC in rushing, but is he as good as the numbers say? Numbers aren't always what they appear. Uh, Of course, Mac Jones and Kyle Trask comparing and contrasting their numbers a lot. How do they compare to each other, how do they compare to Joe Burrow, who was the Heisman Trophy winner from the SEC last season? So we'll dive into all that with uh, Clark Brooks. Also, we'll get the latest on the Georgia Bulldogs with Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. Sounding like, it shouldn't even be sounding like, it looks like JT Daniels is going to get the first start for the Georgia Bulldogs this Saturday against Mississippi State. So we'll dive into that with Anthony Dasher. Finally, the quarterback change we've all been waiting for at Georgia. And we'll also go around the conference with some tidbits from some of the uh, SEC coaches talking on their SEC teleconference and much, much more. But this is Locked on SEC. A reminder to subscribe to our podcast if you haven't done so yet. We are here for you five days a week doing it every day. If you subscribe to the podcast, you get a fresh one in your download box or iTunes or podcast, whatever you do. uh, It'll be fresh for you there each and every single day. All right, let's jump right into it. Let's go around the conference. Boots out to the right. Around the conference. All right, over at Arkansas, Sam Pittman confirming yesterday that there have been some positive cases within the Arkansas football team. But he did say that Arkansas has an adequate number of players for the LSU game this week. I, I got a buddy who's an Arkansas fan who was saying, oh, I don't know, Felipe Franks, you know, having a, had a wrist injury in the game last week against Florida. He uh, briefly went to the locker room, but came right back. So, you know, is this an issue that maybe is hampering him on top of all the COVID cases and contact tracing and all that? I will tell you this, as far as the line comes out, the LSU-Arkansas line as of Monday was Arkansas by a point and a half. As of now, that line is now shifted. LSU is now favored by two and a half. So take that for what you will in terms of the line movement. Over at Tennessee, uh, Blake Topmeyer, who writes for the Knoxville News Sentinel, I saw this, uh, put out this ID. So Jeremy Pruitt said yesterday any Vols senior who wants to return in 2021 has an open invitation as far as he concerned. As far as he's concerned. Blake Topmeyer says, you know, Jared Garantano is a 31-game career starter. If he starts some more games this year and then comes back, starts more games next year for the Vols, Peyton Manning holds the program record among quarterbacks with 45 starts. Could JG return and topple Peyton's start record? I know it's a long shot, and I know a lot of Vol fans hearing that may have just threw something at a, <laughs> at their dashboard saying, no, JG is not coming back. Jeremy Pruitt, though, open invitation. Anybody wants to come back, be a Vol next year. Over at Kentucky, their coach Mark Stoops talking on the SEC teleconference. He said, quote, what more can you say about Alabama coach Nick Saban? Year in and year out, Alabama is one of the top teams in college football, if not the top. And they certainly look that way this year. Stoops went on to say, Alabama's as good as an offensive team as I've seen since I've been head coach. So 
They're gearing up for a real tough test taking on the Alabama Crimson Tide this weekend. But Kentucky's defense, maybe they can keep it closer a little bit. I just wonder about that offense. We have seen, though, the quarterbacks that give Nick Saban defenses issues more often than not been mobile running quarterbacks, and Terry Wilson has some mobility. Fortunately, he doesn't have a great arm, so that will be a, a tough test for the Kentucky Wildcats this Saturday. Over at Ole Miss, their wide receiver Elijah Moore, he has been added to the Maxwell Award watch list given to the best player each year in college football. Eli Manning is the only Rebel to have ever won the Maxwell Award, dating back to 1937. Eli did it course in 2003 but that would be quite an honor for elijah moore who just continues to have a ridiculous game after ridiculous game at wide receiver in that lane kiffin offense over at alabama nick saban said quote i think the days of giving up seven or more points average in the season it's a long gone in college football now if you can hold a team to probably 14 or 17 you're playing pretty well i agree it's amazing where the sec has gotten to now where it takes 40, 50 points to win a game. Look, I'm not saying it's not more entertaining now. It certainly is when you think back to some of those 9-6 to six type ball games from 10, 15 years ago in the SEC. But we need to find some kind of happy medium. We can't be like the Big 12 now where 55, you lose 55-51. Speaking of Ole Miss, uh, their basketball coach Kermit Davis Announced yesterday he's going to miss the first two games of the season after a COVID-19 positive uh, test. He's experiencing, quote, only mild mild symptoms, so that's good for him. But fortunately for Ole Miss, they will be without their head basketball coach to start their season next week. Over at LSU, still no final decision on Miles Brennan. There were reports last week that he was likely done for the year. But Coach Ed Ogeron said Brennan is going to try and practice again this week. He said LSU starting quarterback is still trying to come back from his injury, but he said before it'll take a miraculous recovery to return this season. I think for LSU, the best case, best thing to do is just roll with TJ Finley, maybe Max Johnson, the two true freshman quarterbacks, let Miles Brennan get fully rested and healthy for next season. Keep in mind, he was really is the numbers were really good for him through a handful of starts at quarterback for LSU. Unfortunately, the losses were there as well. And lastly, Missouri wide receiver Dominic Jacinto has entered the transfer portal. He had just four catches this season. He had 15 catches and two touchdowns back in 2018 for Mizzou, but he is on the way out. And there you have it. That is around the conference. When we return, look, I I tell you guys all the time, I'm big into numbers, love the stats in the SEC. One of the websites I religiously go to, secstatcat.com. Clark Brooks is the guy behind it. You can follow him on Twitter at SEC underscore StatCat. When we return, we will talk with him about some of the numbers in the SEC, comparing Mac Jones and Kyle Trask, who's having a better season and who's on pace for the Heisman Trophy. We'll discuss that next. Do you ever feel like you are always on? Do you feel like you never get that moment to just chill, relax, let all your worries go away? We'll let Coors Light help you do that. Coors Light wants you to know that no matter what sport you're watching this fall, Saturdays are your time to chill. I tell you guys all the time, every Saturday I am parked in my butt on my couch watching nothing but college football every single Saturday. This Saturday will be no different. I will have an ice cold Coors Light in my hand. When I'm out of one, I'll get another one from the fridge because I stock up throughout the week, making sure my fridge has plenty of ice cold Coors Light. Of course, 
Coors Light now has an opportunity where you can order straight to your door. Go to get.coorslight.com. You can get the Coors Light in their new look delivered straight to your doorstep. Coors Light is the one that I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit that reset button, reach for the beer that is literally made to chill, and that is Coors Light. Enjoy Coors Light tonight or this weekend, wherever you do it. Make sure you do it responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Gearing up for the holidays, and we're hoping that we can just get there with all the hustle and bustle of everything going on. And sometimes you feel like your workday is a little bit slow. You need something to help you break through that proverbial wall. Might I recommend our friends at Built Go. Built Go is the best workout gel on the market. It makes you the best you at whatever you do. I tell you all the time, it's like five-hour energy without that same crash feeling. Plus, it's natural, so it's better for your body. Like drinking one of those monster energy drinks, but with a third of the caffeine and much better results. They've got three delicious flavors, peanut butter honey, chocolate coconut, chocolate mint. Chocolate mint's my personal favorite. Combines the energy gel with protein. The protein is fast absorbing, gets into your system fast, and it's loaded with all that good stuff to ignite your work. All those B vitamins, B6, B12, all those good things to help you keep you going strong and the collagen promotes joint soft tissue hair and skin health the stuff literally makes you look better check them out right now at builtgo.com and use the promo code locked l-o-c-k-e-d you'll get 20 percent off your next order again use the promo code locked for 20 percent off at builtgo.com let's go Roll along here, Locked On SEC Podcast, getting ready for yet another week of SEC football. Kind of nearing that home stretch where we are starting to separate the pretenders from contenders. And one of the things I love to do throughout the season is dive into some of the numbers. And, you know, look, it's fun to watch the games and have takeaways from that. But it's a lot of fun to go dive deeper into the numbers and see exactly what we're looking at and why did that play go wrong. And is this player, you know, he's getting a lot of hype, but the stats back it up and so join us now to talk all things about the stats is a guy that i've been loving going to this website secstatcat.com is the website he's on twitter at sec underscore underscore statcat and he is clark brooks and he joins us now clark what's going on man not much chris just wrapped up a nice article you, you talked about trying to separate other players with the statistics so of course it's heisman season and everyone's talking about mac jones versus kyle trask so I just finished a nice deep dive article comparing what those guys have done through the first six weeks of the season and if it holds up to what Mr. Cool Joe Burrow did this time last year. Well, let's get into that. Uh, what, Where do those guys stand? Because I understand, look, it's different. It's a different season. One, we're only playing 10, 10 games, but we are playing 10 conference games. So it is a little bit tougher. You don't get those the Georgia Southerns and other, you know, cupcakes, quote unquote, that, you know, you would typically have to, to pad some stats in a normal season. What are you seeing in the numbers between Mac Jones and Kyle Trask? Well, um, despite having the all-SEC slate, both have actually had much easier slates than Joe Burrow last year. Um, of course, Joe Burrow closed with two top 25 defenses in ESPN's SP+. I like to refer to that much, much more than just the AP, um, because AP, there's really nothing that separates teams other than the good old-fashioned eye test and a bunch of old men just saying, I think they're better. <laughs> what the SP does, it, it, it's, a, it's opponent-adjusted, it's um, explosive adjusted, so if a team is just getting a, uh, you know, a big gainer once every so often, they're not as um, rewarded as such because you know yards per carry, yards per play can be influenced by those big gainers. So what this tries and does is tries to stabilize everything. But look, I mean, you can go look it up and see what all the stuff that goes into it. But Joe Burrow, 
And look, he played four top ten defenses last year. Um, not the case with Trask and Jones, even with both of them already playing the best defense in the land in Georgia. So, um, But look, both of them have done Joe Burrow type of things to start the season. So one of the things I like to look at is what I call depth-adjusted accuracy as opposed to the static um, completion and accuracy percentages. Is it caught? Yes, no. Is it accurate? Yes, no. This applies more weight a pass travels downfield. So you're not able to pad those um, completion percentage or accuracy percentage on just the short stuff. So both of them are in the territory of being as good as Joe Burrow. Now, Joe Burrow, through the first six weeks, outstanding. His depth-adjusted accuracy was 68.1. Both of Jones and Trask are under 60, but where Burrow finished because of playing those two tough opponents to close the year, much, much closer to where these guys are now. But in terms of down-to-down success rate, both are much, much better. So while they might not be as accurate in terms of ball placement, they're operating their offensive styles as well as anyone. And again, they're right next to Joe Burrow in terms of success rate right now. I don't want to take anything away from Florida because I think they have some great some great, great pass-catching weapons, and we're seeing that. But obviously with Kyle Pitts being out right now, it was even more incredible what Trask did this past week to Arkansas. But do we mm-hmm. take anything away from Mac Jones looking at the fact that, and I know he lost Jalen Waddell, but having Devontae Smith, having John Mechie, I mean, having these elite of elite receivers, I mean, do we have to factor that in at all, or do you think we should just it, it should just go on the numbers and performance alone? Of course you have to take it into account because, look, if you just look at their very vertical drop-back passing team, sure, um, Najee Harris and their RPO stuff really helps them work teams laterally and horizontally on early downs. But, look, when they want to pass, they're more vertical than anyone. So that's a lot of passes, 20-plus yards downfield. But if we look at um, Trask's – or, I'm sorry, Jones's deep accuracy, well, it's 20 percentage points worse than his deep completion percentage. So that tells you his guys are going out of their way and maximizing their opportunities. And there's a statistic that I like to use called created receptions. So this is where a player goes above and beyond, maybe makes a diving catch, a toe, t- um, a toe tap along the sideline. You know, a play you would not expect the average receiver to make. Well, looking at created receptions on 20-plus balls downfield, He's seen eight of them with two of them going for touchdowns. So if you even cut that in half, yeah, that's going to really affect Jones's output moving forward. But the thing is, they pass deep so often, and he's got those fantastic um, pass catchers. Even without Jalen Waddle, it doesn't necessarily look like there's going to be a drop-off anytime soon unless his guys just stop making plays for him in that area of the field. They've all but officially announced it at Georgia, but we expect a quarterback change this week. JT Daniels. Mm-hmm. Uh, to take over Stetson Bennett look you know he's he's been okay the ultimate game manager in my mind but not uh, you know in the big moments he's kind of uh, shrunken I guess you would say how much of an upgrade do you think JT Daniels can be at that quarterback spot for Georgia so when I when we got the news that he was immediately cleared for eligibility I went back and watched his hardest opponents from his freshman season of course the first half against Fresno State last season and the idea was to try and standardize his level of play against what he was likely to see in an SEC schedule. So I used his five hardest opponents, and it basically worked out to being an average SEC slate. So it worked out great. But looking at that, he offered kind of a muted return. Um, in his brief stint 
last year and including 2019. Um, he was one of the worst graded quarterbacks by Pro Football Focus um, in terms of wins above replacement and passing grade. And um, he had a lot of turnover-worthy plays. And, of course, um, that is something Stetson Bennett has been doing. He's been highly inaccurate. But um, the argument with, with Daniels is, look, he's just a game manager. He's just going to dink and dunk. He's not going to help you stretch the field. So even though when he was going against Ryan, um, Jamie Newman this offseason and Newman offered that verticality, that potency that Daniels did not, yeah, it was an easy decision. But Bennett, look, right now Bennett is dead last in the SEC in accuracy percentage. He's second to last in depth-adjusted accuracy percentage, and he's bottom five in interceptable pass rate. All the while, his average depth of target how far he's throwing the ball on average is 11.3, which is the highest in the conference. So if you're inaccurate and you're throwing the ball um, downfield a whole lot and you're not necessarily coming away with a whole lot of touchdowns and first downs, well, yeah, it's about time to um, make the switch. But you look at Daniels' play during that time. His accuracy was on par with what Kyle Trask did last year, but his depth-adjusted accuracy, ooh, not so great. It would have been... Um, the worst of the returning SEC players entering the season. So in terms of first down touchdown rate, also in that threshold, not great whatsoever. Only Ryan Halinski, South Carolina's um, West Coast-style quarterback last year, fresh crew freshman, only he was less explosive per, per pass attempt than what Daniels was in his five hardest um, games across his sample. So that's not great. But, uh, and looking at passing floor, because obviously – each offense is going to be different. Some quarterbacks use play action more. Some lean on RPOs. Some are gifted screens. So you, you kind of have to cut all that out. And plus, some quarterbacks um, are more gifted athletes, and they're more prone to make something happen when plays break down. So you have to take out screens, RPOs, and pressured attempts if you really want to see what someone is doing in terms of passing the ball. Because after all, if you can't get it done when everything else is perfect around you, when exactly can you? Well, um, they're Daichi Daniels and uh, Stetson Bennett. Their success rates um, in those environments are exactly the same. But here's the thing. Um, Bennett's accuracy has been, again, woeful in these spots. He's dead last in the SEC in accuracy percentage. And guess what? He's below 50% accuracy percentage in clean dropback situations. So, look, again, if you can't get it done when everything else is perfect, when exactly can you? So as even though Daniels offers a fairly muted um, stat sheet and maybe not the best returns at this point in the season, Bennett is not giving you any value that justifies any more playing time moving forward, in my opinion. I really like all this stuff. This is this is tremendous. Diving deeper into the numbers, other than what we <laughs> just watch every Saturday. In your mind, Clark, who is the best? Uh, who would be some of the best running backs in the SEC in your mind? And I know we always talk about yards after contact and all this. And I had a buddy who's a South Carolina fan trying to make the case that Kevin Harris, obviously he leads the league in rushing right now, but you know was inflated with this one game this past week against Ole Miss. Um, where do we? And the game before that against Vanderbilt. Let's yeah, it's true. That. Where Everyone's do... numbers explode after Vanderbilt. Well, where where do you put your your running back hierarchy based on the numbers right now? Right now, I've had this infatuation with Kentucky's Chris Rodriguez for basically about a year now. So um, his style of play doesn't wow anybody because he's not the swiftest of foot, but he is a bruiser between the tackles. He's a tough man to bring down. And we talk about yards after contact. Well, in terms of total yak, only Isaiah Spiller and Najee Harris 
have accumulated more than his 331 yards after contact entering week nine of the SEC season. And in terms of yak average, well, only Kendall Milton and Brian Robinson are better than his 3.76 average. And plus, look, he's also efficient because this goes beyond yards per rush, which he, uh, spoiler alert, he also leads the SEC in at 6.38. But rushing success rate and first down touchdown rate, this guy is first in success rate by about six percentage points. So he's comfortably out in front at 64%, and he's the only one with at least 25 design carries with a first down touchdown rate over 40%. So he might not, you know, wow you in terms of his tape just because he's not a swifty person. He's not a flashy runner. He's just, you know, pale lunch pile, uh, um, pale. Uh, uh, I'm blanking on yeah, the. Yeah, bring, uh, bring the, your lunch pail to work. Yeah, you know, gritty, um, not shying away from contact. He's going to take it to you type of guy, but at the same time, he's not going to win too many foot races, even though he ran away from the Commodores last weekend on a nice 74-yarder. But again, he matches Kentucky's – he balloons Kentucky's efficiency. He's great after contact, um, and he's very efficient in short yardage situations. So he jumps out. Isaiah Spiller also jumps out just because of what he's able to do after contact. He's second in yak average um, in terms of broken tackle rate. Um, he's also up there. But again, we got two freshman running backs. I already mentioned Kendall Milton and his limited chances. He's been spectacular. His broken tackle rate of 41.9, so he has 13 broken tackles over 31 carries, number one in the SEC. Then you look at Auburn, Tank Bigby. What a perfect name for a power running back, right? <laughs> Um, so his broken tackle rate is second in the SEC, and in terms of yak average, he's top five in an accumulating yak. He is top five as well. So he checks a whole lot of boxes, and of course, with uh, Auburn kind of shifting more towards um, more RPOs, of course, they've always been a heavy RPO type of style, but they're, I think they're the only team above 38% in terms of um, tagging them onto runs, so... Big thing to watch out with him, of course, if a linebacker or safety is keying in on a bubble screen, bringing them out of the box, and this guy has more uh, one-on-one opportunities, kind of like how Clyde Edwards-Hilaire operated last year with uh, LSU being so pass-heavy, teams they just could not load the box. So we had a lot of advantageous numbers opportunities, and with those advantageous numbers, he was able to break a lot more tackles on average. So you're seeing the same type of thing going on with Tank Bigsby right now, but as a true freshman, he really is impressing me so far. Clark, this is great stuff, man. SECstatcat.com is the, is the website for our listeners to go check out. Uh, before we let you go, any other things that just stand out to you this season as far as stats go across the conference? I mean, obviously we're seeing offenses through the roof right now. It, yeah. ta- it takes about 40, 50 points to win a game in the SEC. Never thought I'd see the day on that. But any other stats stand out to you? I mean, you hit on it. Offenses are better year over year, and it's basically because we've seen an increase across the board in quarterback play. Last year, we had a lot of true freshmen or stopgap quarterbacks kind of bring down the overall averages. Of course, Joe Burrow helped did his damn well best trying to inflate everything. But when you have Ryan Holinsky and John Reese Plumley and uh, Sawyer Smith, it's going to bring down the cumulative averages. But because we have a lot more efficient passing across the board, offenses are up, defenses are down. Again, we only entered um, this season with only two top 10 offenses in the SEC, with four being top 10 in defenses. Well, that's changed today, let me tell you that. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Clark Brooks at uh, on 
Twitter at SEC underscore StatCat, and of course the website SECStatCat.com. Clark, this is great stuff, man. We'll have to check in with you again before the season ends and get an update on all the numbers. Absolutely, Chris. It was a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks so much, Clark Brooks there, SECStatCat.com. And he's got a, uh, it's a fun website. When you look at it, he's got all the little mascots on the main page because I guess you can't use the official school logos, but you know what? If you're looking at the alligator, you know it's Florida. If you're looking at the uh, purple and goldish tiger, you know it's LSU. So uh, really cool stuff delving into some of the numbers on SECStatCat.com. When we return, we're going to dive into a little bit on the Georgia Bulldogs with Anthony Dasher, UGASports.com. JT Daniels getting the start this week for the dogs. We'll discuss that next. Roll along here, locked on SEC. And a lot to discuss with all the games happening this weekend, including a much needed, a much wanted quarterback change coming at the University of Georgia. And join us now to talk all things Georgia Bulldogs. Anthony Dasher from UGASports.com covers the Georgia Bulldogs. Anthony, what's going on, man? Oh, not too much. Just getting ready for another game, hopefully. <laughs> yeah, that's it. I think every day, every minute, we're just kind of crossing yeah. our fingers, hoping the SEC gets in uh, their slate of games this weekend. Uh, that's right. Anthony, let's start here. I know it's no secret at this point that JT Daniels has been taking the first team reps uh, this week at practice, fully expected yeah. to make his Georgia debut this Saturday against Mississippi State. I guess my first question is, why now? Why did it take six games and a 4-2 and record to finally see Daniels at quarterback? Well, this is something I've been telling folks probably for the better part of a, a month. Uh, you know, JT has been clear that it was, you know, since, since the Arkansas game season opener, there's a difference between being cleared and being ready to play, as in ready to play a position like Todd Monk and the offensive coordinator wants it to be played. I mean, he wants his quarterback to be able to, to move, to be able to, you know, maneuver in the pocket. And that's the thing I think that folks haven't quite, you know, you know, un- understood why, you know, I hear Kirby Smart say clear that I think he's ready to go right now. And granted, you know, you know JT has traveled and traveled all the road games this year. But, you know, because of his mobility issues, primarily with the scout team, maybe a little folks team were. Uh, could he have played? Yeah, he could have gone in and played, but he, he, he had, but, uh, it would have had to have been in like an, an emergency type situation. He had, he had, again, he had been not work, you know, working on any, you know, pregame, pregame rep, but but no, but since then the uh, the knee has improved, but Billy's got better, and uh, he's gonna get that chance now. I mean, he he uh, started running with the first team uh, you know, last week. And I know Georgia fans are excited to see what he can do. Let me ask you, what can we expect out of Daniels? Obviously, doing it against Mississippi State, who I know statistically they rank as the second-best pass defense in the conference, but those numbers are a little skewed when you consider, you know, Kentucky didn't try to throw the ball on them. Vandy struggled throwing it on them. LSU and Alabama threw the ball all over on them. So what can we expect realistically out of JT Daniels? Well, that's kind of uh, kind of a million-dollar question. I'm more hoping if he's going to – Play this game or not? You know, when he was a Southern Cal, he did have some interceptions. I think he had what fourteen picks as a true freshman. So I think that probably is a, you know, a little bit of concern. We've also got a guy who, uh, you know, <laughs> has got a gun for an arm, and I, I think he's going to at least make a Mississippi State, you know, respect the pass where these last few, uh, you know, games in terms of not respecting rules as uh, a passing game. But I think you'll see JT. I think he'll be ready to go again. Coach Marks, you know, spoke today on the SEC press conference. I mentioned how smart of a guy he is, how he knows the game plan. Uh, 
few butterflies, but I, I expect he'll handle it well. Uh, Anthony, looking to the future and, and kind of into next season, how important would you say it would be? It is that Daniels kind of proves himself as the guy moving forward. We know Stetson Bennett is a junior; he can be back. Dewan Mathis is a freshman; he can be back. Uh, Daniels is a sophomore, and, and all these guys could be back. And oh, by the way, five-star Brock Vandegrift is coming in as an early enrollee. Is it important for Daniels to show that he can be the guy going into next season? Uh, no question. I think that that's huge, really important. I, I think for, for Georgia next year, in a perfect world, you know, you know JT comes in, uh, you know, is successful, you know, leads Georgia to some wins, and uh, you know gets comfortable uh, with the system and, and, and looks good doing it. In a perfect world, Coach Smart would, would love JT to be able to play next year. Let let Brock, uh, who's going to be an early enrollee, you know, uh, learn the system, kind of learn what it's like to uh, be a big time college football player. Then as a redshirt freshman, perhaps take it from there. So. Uh, not, to, not have to throw him out there as a true freshman because, as you know, that's a, that's a difficult road to hold for any you know, first-year guy to be successful in the SEC. But, so, so, yeah, they definitely want JT, I think, to uh, to kind of grab control of this thing right now and not only the rest of the season, but only to next year. I'm curious in your mind, what, what grade would you give offensive coordinator Todd Monken for, for how he's run the offense this season? I think, you know, considering what he's had to work, I still give him a day. I mean, you look at the, the Georgia's game, you look at receivers, they're running open. I mean, they, they, they're, they're open for play, but the quarterbacks have not been able to get them to football. So I, I think, you know, for what he's had to work with, I think he's done, you know, done, done pretty well. Anthony, great stuff, man. Thanks so much for the time. Yep, anytime. Thanks a lot, Anthony Dasher there, UGA Sports. <laughs> dot com covers the uh, Georgia Bulldogs and does a uh, great job at that and uh, just spent a couple minutes with him kind of talking about JT Daniels getting his opportunity this weekend for the Georgia Bulldogs here's the problem too yeah I know he said it sounds like you know it's a medical reason why we didn't see JT sooner you know getting up to par where Georgia and Kirby and Todd Munkin want JT to be at in order to go out there and perform but man if he goes out there and performs well you have a lot of angry Georgia fans going, where was this? Why wasn't this guy out there against Florida a couple weeks ago? Why? Where was this guy against Alabama in the second half when Stetson Bennett couldn't move the ball at all? I mean, that's where uh, I think some Georgia fans might be a little upset. And look, you know, the, this whole season has kind of gone awry for Georgia when you expect Jamie Newman supposed to be the guy coming into the season. He opts out just before the start and Obviously, Georgia's got to do call a little bit of an audible. And a lot of people thought, okay, JT Daniels is going to be his his show, and you know, for whatever reason, we have not seen him until now. But uh, at least for Georgia, if JT does go out there and perform well, it gives you hope. It gives you hope going into next year that this Georgia team can can maybe reload and get things going. But if not, you know, the questions are going to start. All right, early enrollee with Brock Vandergriff, do you start? getting him going in the spring and saying, hey, you be ready to try to compete and earn this spot come the fall. And, you know, and then it's another young guy. Does he have to go through his growing pains as a quarterback? There's just so much uh, at stake here for the Georgia Bulldogs. They just – I know they're really hoping that JT Daniels can maybe provide some of those answers going into this weekend. All right. That is going to do it for this edition of Locked on SEC. Appreciate all you guys for listening. Gearing up for another round of SEC games this weekend. Only one of them postponed as of now, so it sounds like we'll get the, all the other ones in. Looking forward to that. I'll remind you guys, if you're a fan of the NBA at all or fan of a specific team or just a fan of the uh, NBA draft, go and check out our friends at Locked On NBA. They're recapping everything that happened in the NBA draft. And, of course, all the different specific teams. If you're a Pelicans fan, if you're a Hawks fan, 
Got Locked On for just about every NBA team as well. Check them out on the Locked On NBA Podcast Network. I'm Chris Gordy, Locked On SEC. Talk to you guys tomorrow. Some more great guests along the way as we gear up for the games coming up on Saturday.